Hey, it's Freddie Snakeskin from K-Rock, the rock of the 80s. And when I'm out walking my poodle, you'll find me listening to Holly and Dave on the What Difference Does It Make podcast. Here we go. Oh. Here we go. Hey, Dave. Hey, Holly. Happy New Year. Yeah, well, actually, this will air in February, so this doesn't, uh, that shouldn't be said. Uh, can you still say Happy so New I'm Year gonna, in February? I'm going to, I'm going to direct you to edit this out, and then you're not going to do that. I know. <laughs> Don't worry, I won't. Uh, that, this will definitely be taken out. <laughs> so, welcome to What Difference Does It Make? Thank you. It's good to be here. <laughs> How are you? Good. I'm, what I'm year great. is it, by the way? It is the year 2019, and it's February, but I, as oh, I... But we're in 1982. As. Oh, well, we are going to focus on 1982 right now. Yes. Yeah. So we're doing a little a little flashback as we as we do on this podcast. A little flashback. We are going to uh, take a look at the top 106.7 songs from the radio station KROQ in Los Angeles, the world famous K-Rock. Correct. Uh, 1982. It's very exciting. Uh, as I was looking at this list... It looks like uh, this was the year they got rid of Rush and uh, they got rid of um, Asia and Rolling Stones and Dire Straits. There is not a whole lot of that kind of rock on here. The only thing that jumps out at me, and we'll get to it, but I see some King Crimson. Yes. So that reminds me, actually, that we're going off a list of uh, that K-Rock initially released, which is the 106.7 hits of 1982. Uh, however, there, there, this year, um, since there's a KROQ HD2, as you may have heard on our Freddie, on our Freddie Snakeskin interview. Um, a revival. A revival. They've, uh, they've revised their list. They've cut it down to the top 80 of 19 of Actually, they have the top 80 hits of every every year in that decade. The top 80 of 80, 1980, 1981, So we'll have a lot to discuss. Yeah, so there's some songs that, that kind of fell off the list, which is kind of interesting. And I think uh, King Crimson is probably one of those. Yeah, I'm sure you're right. As we discussed with Freddie, it seems like uh, he was a fan of King Crimson and those type bands. But um, some of these, some of the songs, I guess, over time just, uh, just kind of fell yeah. by the wayside. It was a natural transition into modern rock yes so i might uh mention during our discussion of songs that uh fell off the this top uh this top list that k-rock has compiled a song that maybe people have forgotten but that but was on this list so that's why it's kind of fun to kind of go over the original list well let's start there and then you can feel free to interject (laughs) i will try (laughs) i will try my hardest to interject with uh, some sort of uh Something. Some little bit of interesting information. Wonderful. So do we go right to what? Go ahead. You sound like you want to say something else. I I don't want to say anything. Okay. I think you do. We'll go into, we'll go into, uh, uh, we'll we'll start it off and then we'll uh, we'll, we'll go as it goes. Okay. So is it too soon? Too soon? Too soon to start with number 106.7. All right. So what was in 81? It was the Jetsons. That was, yes, that was number 106.7. This is uh, right up there. So <laughs> falling right in line with that, what, what do we got? We have, uh, the song is called I Had Sex with E.T. And it was Barnes and Barnes. Do you remember Barnes and Barnes? I do remember Barnes and Barnes, but I didn't remember 
I, I vaguely remember this song, but I didn't remember a lot of other information about them. Uh, okay, because if you listen to Dr. Demento, yes, you knew Barnes and Barnes yes. because they always had in the in the top ten. It was always pretty much near the top every every week, which was the song Fish Heads. Yes, Roly yes. Poly Fish Heads. Eat them up, yum. <laughs> but this song, this song is uh, well. <laughs> there were issues. There were there were legal issues with Universal Studios. Uh, I would imagine so. The lawyers did not well, like this. Although, no, I mean, isn't that, it's parroting. It, I would imagine it'd be fine. There's nothing wrong with that. With I mean, unless it, you look I, at the lyrics, I have no law degree, but I don't, I don't think there's anything wrong with it. Well, they are, they pressed 200 total of this record, and uh, 73 were initially sold. It's shipped 273. Okay. Because Universal Studios pulled the plug. So there must have been some uh, legal legal precedent for this. Is that 200,000? No, 200 copies. Le- <laughs> it sold 200 copies. Perfect. Yeah. That's, yeah. All right. So this was not a moneymaker for them. This is not a moneymaker. However, so it was removed from sale. So after, after 73 copies, it's now a collector's item and uh, at well, auction, whatever you want to say, eBay, it gets up to $179. All right. How about that? How about that? Do you know, I know one member of Barnes & Barnes is kind of famous. Do you know who that is? He was a child actor. No. And if you watch the show Lost in Space, you know the name Will Robinson? One of one of Barnes, I'm not sure if it was Barnes or if it was Barnes, but one of the Barnes boys, and that, that was a fake name, but one of the Barnes boys was Will Robinson in Lost in Space. Okay, because I see their – I did not know that, but I see their names here as Robert Hamer and Bill Mummy. I think it was ha- Hamer. Hamer? I think so. Hmm. Uh, for the life of me, I can't remember which one it was. The, that's why I stuck with Barnes and Barnes. One of the Barnes <laughs> boys was Will Robinson. That's my only fun fact of that. Well, do you know that it was only one in a series of I Had Sex With songs? Oh, they, had a, they issued a, a whole album of uh, I Had Sex With? I don't know if it was a whole album, but there were other. So I had sex with ET was the most played, but there was an I had sex with Pac Man, I had sex on TV, I had sex with Santa, and I had sex with Madonna. Sounds great. Yeah, and no, none of those other people or companies or uh, brands sued them. Not that I saw. What the trying to get a share of that two hundred copies uh, sales. <laughs> No, I, I didn't find any other information about those, but you got to wonder about Madonna. Or maybe Madonna had a sense of humor. I have no idea. Yeah, I know they mentioned, and actually in that, um, in that I had sex with ET, was, they mentioned Poltergeist too. I yeah, think, which were two of the top ten hits movies from uh, 19. from nineteen eighty two. For that, uh, do you know how much ET grossed? Give me a give me a, a number. And this is nineteen eighty two numbers, which is crazy when you think about how. How cheap movies were back then. I couldn't even have half, half a billion. See, you would, right. You would guess something. like Well, this is yeah. right. And in 1982, it made 359 million. Huh. Okay. So I wasn't that far off. No, not too bad. Their okay. opening week. So opening weekends, usually what now you need like, uh, <laughs> usually they hit a hundred million or something, yeah. you know, like the, the huge movies. I don't know how much like, uh, you know, like Aquaman now. I mean, you make 30, 40 million, you're okay. Uh, the opening weekend of E.T., it made $11 million. And that was good. That was amazing. Uh-huh. One of the highest, well, let's see. Actually, uh, it looks like Star Trek II made $14 <laughs> million in its open, opening weekend. 
Rocky Three made twelve million. Okay, so those so it those was right were, up there. It was up there, and uh, Poltergeist was the number eight movie of nineteen eighty two. And E.T. was right, uh, uh, behind. Uh, there was also let's see, the top ten was uh, was Annie. Remember that? Aww. Two musicals, Best Little Whorehouse in Texas, number nine. Poltergeist was eight. Forty eight hours and Yay! Murphy's debut, number seven. Star Trek two, Wrath of Khan <laughs> was number six. Number five, Porky's. Porky's, as I pop my pee. Uh, it was number five. Still an insane movie that I can't believe we, we my parents let me see. <laughs> they probably didn't know I saw it. Made over, yeah, that made $105 million. It's crazy. Uh, Rocky Three. who was his foe in, in Rocky Three? Who'd he fight? Do you remember? No, I don't. Clubber Lane, played oh. by, come on. Who played Clubber Lane? That was, uh, that was Mr. T. Oh, of course. Yes. Of course. Ooh. Don't want to have your jibber jabber. All right. Uh, and then uh, we had uh, Officer and a Gentleman. Lovely. Yes. Yeah. One of my favorites. Uh, Tootsie, my, one of my favorite comedies of all time. And E.T. Do you know one of my favorite movies is on that list? And I bet you won't ever guess which one it was. Okay. okay. So it's not in the top 10. I probably did not say it. Yes, you did say it. Oh, I did say it. Yep. Uh, wow. So I, the, by your reception, I would say it was uh, 48 hours. <laughs> Very good. All right. Yes, that is one of my favorite movies of all time. Nick Nolte and Eddie Murphy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I still remember uh, Eddie Murphy seeing Roxanne with the, <laughs> with the big headphones on. Yeah, that's the classic scene. But there are some was great. great. There, there were some great scenes in that movie. Eddie Murphy was a funny, funny man. Yeah, still. Uh, I don't well, know. I don't know if I he's still know. funny. I'm sure he is. Yeah. Do you know it was way down in number 29, which is crazy. What? Uh, it was Fast Times at Ridgemont High. Hey. Uh, made a total of $27 million. Hmm. And a lot more after that, I'm sure. Right. Exactly. Uh, wore out the tape on that on my VCR. Yeah. With the freeze frame of... Uh, that uh, moving in stereo during that scene. Yeah. Phoebe Cates. <laughs> what? Oh, was she in there? I, I didn't know <laughs> that. You know, that was uh, when, when we were in college in our, in our uh, classes, we, and we had to do some, we had to pick scenes to, to shoot. We did some fast time scenes. Do you remember? Oh, really? Yeah. I don't remember. What, what scenes did you do? I don't remember. Was I in this class? I, you must have been in this class. I don't know. I'm sure I can't remember were. anything about anything in <laughs> college. Yes. Um, 82 was some good movies. <laughs> so I'm looking at this list. <laughs> but uh, my, one of my favorite comedies, Night Shift. Hey, kid, you like music? Sure. Good. Oh, Michael Keaton. Yeah, number 36. Yeah. Whoo. Pink Floyd's The Wall came out also. Oh. All right. Yeah. Uh-huh. A lot of reissues. Uh, like Star Wars was was reissued, um, uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark came back out, Empire Strikes Back came out. Mm. That was in the day. That was the only way to see these movies because there really wasn't there wasn't even VCRs. Really, could you? I mean, you no, not there, yet. You couldn't get the. When did VCR first make its? I mean, it, it was they were around, but it wasn't widespread. I don't think every mm. it was in every home. No, we did not ha- have a blockbuster to head to. I don't think so. Mm-mm. 
we had to relate, you know, rely on uh, pay TV, like on TV or select, select TV. TV. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's funny. All right. So, <laughs> go, All right, so going we're... down the movies. That's movie talk. Welcome to movie talk. <laughs> All right. So that was uh, Barnes and Bards. I had sex with E.T. A lot of talk about uh, about that. Uh, and as we mentioned, K-Rock loves sex and uh, because they were pandering to teens like ourselves, anything that mentions sex. It's a lot of we, sex. We, we were listening to. Yeah. yeah. You're enjoying the What Difference Does It Make podcast, but we're going to take a break right now and we'll be right back. The What Difference Does It Make podcast returns. All right. So number 106. Billy Star- Idol. Yes. Hot in the City. Do you remember what movie this was featured in? Um, um, back to movie talk. I don't. I don't. Oh, yeah. Uh, what movie? Uh, it's in the movie Big. When they're in oh. the, the car and they're. That's the only thing I remember about Hot in the City, really. Yeah, well, I mean, I like the song, but uh, I think I still. If I think of big, sometimes it's it's. Uh, I did not remember that. Yeah, shout oh. out to Penny Marshall. She's going to yeah. be missed. One, two of my girls' favorite more movie talk, but yeah, two of my girls' favorite movies are are Big and um, League of Le- Their Own. League of Their Own. They love those. those. Yeah, amazing. Let's move up to number one hundred five. What do you got? Peter Gabriel. I have the touch. Yeah. What do you think? I didn't even remember the song. Do you know it was it was also in the 1996 movie Phenomenon, and as a result of being in that movie, it charted 14 years after it was first released. It's a great song. Yeah, it's really good. Um, yeah, this was, uh, and the reason one of the reasons you probably don't remember it, there was, um, you know, in the top 80s of 1982, mm-hmm. the revised edition. This is not listed at all. Oh, so hmm. it's, it's disappeared. I think this was on. Um, it, it, during my research, I saw this is on Peter Gabriel's fourth eponymously named record. He had in like 77, he had a record called Peter Gabriel. 78, he had a record called Peter Gabriel. I think in 81, he had a song, he had an album called Peter Gabriel. And this was his last one called Peter Gabriel. I thought this was called, this said it was from the, or the information I got was from the album Security. Um. Here's the fun fact. Oh, I think this was his first one on a new label. I think it was on Geffen or something like that. They the label made him made them put a, a tag that said security, but, uh, but unofficially it was called security. Officially, it's it's another Peter Gabriel. That's record. really funny. Yeah. Oh. So that and uh, also there was a Shock the Monkey was on that one. Yeah. But this yeah. one, but that this is a great song too. Yeah. I mean, he, Peter Gabriel's a phenomenal performer. Have you ever seen him play? I don't believe I've seen Peter Gabriel. Oh yeah, you should. He's yeah. you know with Genesis and just very theatrical, and it's uh, just like a yeah, it's a nice. Uh, it's, he puts on a great performance. He's an artist. I mean, he's a like oh, a true perform- yeah yeah performer. I mean, very uh, and you get the feeling he's very cerebral. Do you know what this song is about? No, please elaborate. Talk about cerebral. He got the idea from a study where people of different nationalities were observed at, in restaurants. So in Puerto Rico and in Paris, they touched each other a lot. People touched each other a lot. But in London, only twice when they say hello and when they say goodbye. And this led him to the idea that the English were deprived of touch. 
<laughs> that's a, hey, I love that. That's, that's pretty a, interesting. Right. It's a great observation. Though. Yeah. So the Brits aren't touchy-feely, I guess, is what we can draw from this. I, I can I can relate. <laughs> Very nice. Okay. So yeah, it's a it's a good it is a good song. All right. So, uh, but someone that is touchy and feely um, <laughs> is uh, is Brian Ferry and his band Roxy Music. Yep. Main thing. This really wasn't a, a single or or anything. It was. This, I think this was off their one of their last albums. I think it might have been their last a- actual album. Did you like Avalon? I mean, you must have loved yes. Avalon. Loved Avalon. I, I like Roxy Music. I, I was a fan. I wouldn't say a huge fan, but I really liked uh, I just, their sound, you know. Yeah, of that era. I mean, ABC, Roxy Music, Avalon, um, you know, yeah. kind of the kind of ushered in the, the new mm-hmm. romantic yeah, yeah. or soft rock. You, know, it's, you still hear like the, you know, Avalon and... You don't hear main thing, which uh, which this no. this song is not on the on the K Rock list, not surprisingly, but no. uh, it's still a, a it's still a great song, you, and that's a brilliant album, Avalon, just um, from start to finish. Yeah, it's worth worth checking out again. Yeah, it's very um, uh, not emotional, but kind of hot. Super hot. And that's all I'll say about that. That's there you go. You put that on. <laughs> it's business time. Yeah. <laughs> so moving on to number one hundred and three. Okay, what you got? It is Joe Jackson stepping out. Very good. I actually I, I get a list of new music or things that just come out, and uh, Joe Jackson is coming out with new music, <gasps> and he's uh, and it sounds like old Joe Jackson, and he's hey. he's actually he's going to be touring this year. Yeah, he's celebrating forty years of music, so he'll be playing "Stepping Out." You never know what what you're going to get with Joe Jackson sometimes, but. Uh, but he looks like he's ready to look back and uh, play some of this these uh, mu- these songs from uh, from night and day, right? Yes, and you never you never know when he's going to just walk off stage, so you don't really know if you're going to see him. Uh, doesn't he get a little? Uh, I think back in the day he was an angry okay. young man. Yeah, those days are gone. But uh, but yeah, but he's he's touring now, and uh, um, yeah, stepping out was a was a great song. That was so. There was. Did you have the album Night and Day? Uh, I did. Uh, do you remember? The sides, what the sides were called? I don't remember. There was the night side and the day side. Right. Okay. And you know, there was music to listen at the daytime and music uh, for nighttime. And stepping out, I, I, I won't, I, I don't know for sure, but it sounds, I mean, it was like getting ready to go out. Yeah, I think it's night. Yeah, it was night. I did well, not remember that. The night that. side. Yeah. So, yeah, that's kind of like, I think he was, you know, living in New York and just the, the hustle bustle of just, Stepping out into the city, yeah. getting ready to go out. Well, the video featured a housekeeper pretending she was a Cinderella figure and was filmed over. It was filmed over one night at the St. Regis in New York City. It's funny, you know, Joe Jackson, such a such a personality. He said he was. I don't think he was ever happy about making videos. He's just not that kind of artist. But uh, this one specifically, he said <laughs> he he told Time Out. Back in 1984, rock and roll is degenerating into a big circus, and videos and MTV are very much part of that. People who are seriously interested in making music as an end in itself are going to have to split away and forge a different path. Well, yeah, there were, there were a lot of artists. I mean, especially at the beginning, they didn't realize the possibilities of uh, using uh, video of, of to using their. Vi- yeah. yeah, I mean, you, right? You could be extremely creative with video, and yeah. you know, it was a, just another uh, artistic uh, viewpoint that you could make. Yeah, but you do get that artists who are artists that just want their music to be heard and and appreciated for the music without the association of a video. Sure. 
But yeah. that, but yeah, a lot of bands thrive, obviously, during this era. Suddenly, like, well, you know, we could make this music even bigger, and mm-hmm. you know, that's that's what happened. Some of those are coming up. Some of those artists. Oh, okay. <laughs> Very nice. So, uh, yeah. So anyway, welcome back, Joe Jackson. And uh, it's nice to, yeah, st- Stepping Out is, a, is still a great song. Yeah. That's so exciting that he's touring. Yes. Yeah. We might have to go to that. Uh, we definitely would have to go to that. Okay. All right. Uh, number 102, The Clash, Radio Clash. Super exciting because uh, this was this was like them rapping. This, is, this was not, it was, this wasn't on an album. This was, what, are you looking for something? No, it's okay. interesting you say I you are correct. Um you know that there is a there is a song called This Is Radio Clash and Radio Clash. Okay. I did I did not know this, but you're right on this chart is Radio Clash, but was there a difference? I I did not know. <laughs> no, there wasn't a difference. Oh, okay. okay. Yeah. No, so I, yeah, no, there was a, they were they I think they recorded them as two separate songs. Two sets of lyrics is, exist for This Is Radio Clash. The original one references the Bill of Rights, Napalm, and the American Armed Forces Network, and a separate set that was recorded onto another take, later named Just Radio Clash. They're both identical tracks except for the lyrics, and they even feature as A and B sides on the single, which led to a lot of mistakes and re-releases of the song. So on the story of the Clash Volume 1 compilation, the track listing lists this is Radio Clash, but the song that actually appears is Radio Clash. Just a, just a little. Yeah, but I it, had no idea up until I read this. I had no idea, and I love. I mean, that no, was great fan. because yeah, obviously the Clash were listening to the radio or maybe living in New York, and they're you know on in the streets in New York, and they're hearing rap and this exciting new sound um, that was just starting to to develop, and uh, and they wanted in, and so they're they're trying new things. I love that, and it was <laughs> it still had the Clash sound, but you know. Joe Strummer is, is rapping, and it's kind of got some beats to it. And uh, I think Mick Jones—I don't—I think Mick Jones was more into it than Joe, perhaps. I don't. I mean, I, because I, I don't know, but it was just about because I know, like further on, uh, you know, Mick was was uh, in in his post uh, the BAD band that mm-hmm. he was Big Audio Dynamite that the you know they they did a lot of experimenting with uh, with different sounds. Yeah, but this was great. I mean, just hearing Joe Joe rap over the this beat and. The initial idea for This Is Radio Clash came from a conversation between Joe Strummer and one of their assistants and their manager about the band setting up their own radio station, which I guess never happened, but that's where this this. Oh, so they were from. trying to do a theme song, too. <laughs> and yeah. then about the, the beats, I, I, that's part of why I love The Clash, but uh, he said, do you know Joe Strummer admitted that he had nicked the bass line from Another One Bites the Dust? He actually oh, okay. admitted it in an interview, and then it, the song as a whole, on the whole, is a tribute to like the Sugar Hill Gang and Grandmaster Flash. And uh, he said the laugh at the start of the song was directly inspired by Grandmaster Flash. That the message, yeah, yeah, oh, very I nice. I love this song. Oh, it's great. Yeah, I've been uh, actually. I'm I'm reading or read. I'm listening to the audiobook, the Beastie Boys audiobook, and so they're talking about the the beginning of. Uh, of rap in the eighties and uh, you know, in the early eighties and going to these clubs and hearing these new sounds and, yeah. you know, just getting excited about that. And, you know, that's, I think the clash were the same thing. They were like, this is an exciting sound. This is something different. Yeah. And it was great, especially you know, it was perfect for, for K rock because it was, you know, it was something new and exciting and something no one else would play. Yeah. I would imagine. And edgy in a way that's not, yeah. you know, just not sex and yeah, yeah not blatant. Just so interesting. 
orally interesting. Definitely. <laughs> um, yeah. Okay. So there we go. We're moving up to 101. We got one of your favorite bands. Yes, we do. It's favorite. Squeeze. I've returned. <laughs> Have you? Yeah. <laughs> uh, not one of their singles, I don't think. No. Not list one of the songs that time has forgotten, perhaps. Uh, but it's on the Sweets from a Stranger album, yep. which I did have because it had the song Black Coffee in Bed, yep. which I really loved. I think that was the first squeeze album I bought. Uh, Sweets from a Stranger? Yeah, I think so because I didn't get it. I liked their music. I don't think I was interested in buying or, you know, <laughs> get it. Get it. <laughs> I, it was for, uh, later down the road, I think I, I bought uh, the rest of the Squeeze catalog. Or, you know, kind of reviewed, listened to that stuff. But, uh, but yeah, the sweets, sweets from a stranger is very good. That's funny. I think this also might be one of those that we, we've talked about this, buying them later, being turned on to them later. I mean, I was a yeah. squeeze fan then, but I don't remember spending the money on the album, but later on, mm-hmm. all. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, it, yeah, you heard them. They were a, a core band at, at K-Rock. They were played a lot. You know what Glenn Tilbrook said about this song? What He's, was it? He said it's slightly grandiose sounding, which is not my cup of tea, really. On the whole, it's not a bad version. It's a bit like Bruce Springsteen's Born to Run and yet another song about drinking. There you go. Well, the English love to drink. Yes. I think the band broke up. Like this was, if I remember correctly, they they kind of split and and formed Dilford and Tilbrook. Dilford Dilford and Tilbrook. Dilford. Uh, Yeah. And then they came back together to squeeze. But I I think they they had like a brief uh, breakup after, right after this album. It was after this album. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, Yeah, something like that. I believe so. Yeah. All right. So let's wrap this up then. Wrap this up. Let's wrap this up. Hey, let's wrap (laughs) this up. By the way, we have, uh, we'll be doing, we'll make a Spotify playlist of these songs. Obviously, we we can't play these songs. Um, we still so, can't afford the rights to them, right? So we will put it on a Spotify playlist that you can find on um, what different. <laughs> what, what are we doing here? Uh, you'll find on what difference does it make? Uh, just look it up. Uh, what difference does it make playlist, and you'll find us on Spotify. Um, we're just still on social media. Where are we on social media? We're on Twitter, WDDIM Podcast, and we are on Instagram. WDDIM podcast and Facebook. Beautiful. So we'll keep uh, posting things and uh, keep listening, keep enjoying. Text us, message us. Definitely. Email us. Please. Send us snail mail. Tweet at us. <laughs> Tweet us. Tweet us and uh, yeah, whatever. whatever. We're, we'll be open to, uh, to discussions and we could bring that onto the air. Feel free to debate any of our opinions. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> please thanks for listening thank you so much and uh we'll we'll oh. complete this well oh well we got oh that's right we got a quiz deck uh, we have a, oh we so, should okay do you remember the story about this quiz deck we're we're going to do a question from the 1980 rock and roll quiz deck so my resident expert saw terry bozio at the musical instruments museum a few months ago in uh in phoenix and he brought these home for me so he was actually seeing Terry Bozio just as a solo artist on the stage, watching him drum for an hour or two. Which is crazy. Yeah, it is crazy. I mean, I, I love the drums. I cannot hear just a solo drummer. Yeah. I, I wouldn't have the patience for it. I would appreciate what he's doing, and I would be looking at my watch going, I got to get out of here. As the drum solos, right? In yeah. Any- I mean, drum solos are notoriously like, that's so the other band members can relax and, yeah. you know, that's get a beer time. Painful. <laughs> It's a, a lot of times it is painful, 
but I mean, obviously you've got to be super creative to, uh, to keep your interest. So obviously whatever, whatever Terry's doing, he's, he's doing something amazing. Not for me though. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. So you're going to pick a card. I'm going to read you the question and you're going to get it right. Of course, because you know everything there is to know about music. Oh, okay. So there you go. I I did not look at it. Okay. So, okay. You'll get it after the first sentence. I predict. Specializing. Uh, oh, sparks. <laughs> no. All right. Darn it. No, not even close. Okay, good. Specializing in songs about the working class life in rural, rural America. Oh, John Mellencamp. <laughs> okay, that John, wasn't even a full sentence. Cougar. It was a comma, a comma. Yes, this Midwestern rocker recorded his number one charting breakthrough album, his sixth, in 1982. He went on to release four more albums in the 80s, all of which made the top 10. In 1985, along with Willie Nelson and Neil Young, he organized Farm Aid, a benefit concert to aid the nation's small family farmers. It's become an annual event that has raised millions of dollars to support the cause. Name this Heartland hero. Yeah. Did you have American Fool? You know, I don't know if I had any John Cougar Mellencamp albums. Yeah, I think I, the first one I bought, I, actually, the first CD I ever bought was Scarecrow. Really? Yeah. And that was my yeah, that was my yeah. first John John Mellencamp record. Yeah. Um 80, but, but that I was eighty five. Ha- yeah. Yeah. So yeah, that was the first one I the first C D I ever bought. And uh but I never had American Fool. And I like I just uh, yeah, initially I thought of him as like a you know, Springsteen ripoff. I know, most people did. But yeah, but he was he was legit. He was great stuff. Scarecrow is an amazing record. Yeah. That so one has Rain on the Scarecrow, Small Town and R-O-C-K. Yes. In the USA, right? Yes. Yeah. yeah. That was a great... T- I saw his show there then, too. He was great. Saw him, yeah, at the forum. He's a great performer. He could. He was dancing back then. He doesn't do that. He does, he's not dancing anymore. I think I saw him maybe 20 years later after the fact. He just, you know, he's still good. We're all older, Dan. Yeah, I understand. We're all, we can't move like we used to. <laughs> I never could move. No, same. <laughs> All right. Well, um, thank you so much. Thanks for listening. Check you later. Over and out. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more fantasy points.